Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. It is Thursday, March the 9th, 2023. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I ran into somebody yesterday and they were like, hey, you know, I don't live in a place where, you know, there's a radio signal that carries your show. Well, first of all, you could just advocate for that wherever you live, I guess. Um, but you can already access Mornings with Carmen um, and you can share it with other people. So download the Faith Radio app. That is a great way. Um, super duper easy, simple way for you to share the show with someone else. You get to be a missionary of the ministry, extend what we do here um, during our time together and include other people in the conversation. Um, So download the Faith Radio app. And then when you run into somebody who is like, hey, you know, what are you listening to? What's on your playlist? Um, What's encouraging you today? You can be like, oh, you know, I listen to this. I listen to this thing. uh, Mornings with Carmen and you can get it right here on the Faith Radio app. Let me show you. Mm-hmm. There you go. That, that's, there you go. So you just go to MyFaithRadio.com, download the Faith Radio app. Um, well, actually, you go to your Play Store or you go to your, what's the Apple people? What do they have? What kind of Apple thing do they have? Mm-hmm. The iStore? I don't know. What's it called? Ryan, you're App- listening. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> go. Go. Hey, right. So download the uh, download the Faith Radio app, and um, or you can just subscribe to Mornings with Carmen through whatever podcast service you use. And then, yeah, we'd love it if you'd share it with other people. That would be awesome. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day, which maybe you're saying to yourself, hey, how do I uh, get access to the Growing Your Faith verse of the day. Well, you can get it in your inbox every single morning. You just sign up at MyFaithRadio.com. So today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Psalm 139. And it's just verses 23 and 24, but I commend to you today the entirety of Psalm 139. So that's, uh, that is the where in the word assignment for the day, Psalm 139. Let's be in Psalm 139 today. Um, why? In order that the word of God might get into us. That's the, uh, that's the goal here. So Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. All right, folks, that, those are some probing words. That is, uh, Psalm 139 is a, is a probative psalm. It's, um, it's probing faith. It's probing the character of God. It's probing our willingness to be probed by God. And um, it's, it's spoken by David in, in this open acknowledgement that God already knows it all and us fully. So if God already knows it all, then what we're doing here in inviting God to search us and know us, search me and know me, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, we are opening up ourselves consciously and humbly 
to God to examine us. And um, first of all, God's not learning anything in that process. God already knows what's going on deep down in all the hidden places. So what's the benefit here? Well, the benefit is that we might come to know that which God already knows about us. So from the opening verses of Psalm 139, David is acknowledging that um, his thoughts are fully exposed to God, that there's nowhere that a person could ultimately hide from God nor from God's pervasive influence. Psalm 139 also reflects on the tender care of God, the exceedingly extraordinary reality that um, God allows us into his thoughts, even though the sum of God's thoughts is further beyond a human ability to comprehend than I could even begin to describe. And that brings us to the verses before us today, where David is surrendering to God's intimate scrutiny, and we're invited to do likewise. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Reveal what you discover and help me see anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Hmm. Um, can you pray that today? Would you pray that today? What might happen? What posture do we need to take? It's a posture of humility for sure. What must we believe about about God uh, before we would uh, dare to pray such a prayer? Well, we have to trust that God is and that he's good, um, that he's going to do what aligns with his glory and and the good of those he loves, including you and me. Um, and it's not really a question of what would God discover if he searched my heart and mind. It's um, It's more the part where we ask God to reveal to us what he discovers when he searches us and knows our heart. So what might you and I discover if we were to ask God to reveal to us what he sees when he looks in the deepest, most hidden places? That's good fodder for confession today. We could pray this prayer because we know and trust that God is good. He's a good, good father. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. When we come back, Ben Johnson is going to be here. We're going to talk about religious liberty. We're going to talk about the rarity of our experience here in the United States to express um, religion freely. Um, That is not what people around the world are experiencing. And we're going to take a look at that next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is my right, a right given by God, to live a free life. Hey, Ben Johnson is back. Uh, He tweets at The Rights Writer, and he writes at WashingtonStand.com. Good morning, Ben. Good morning, Carmen. All right, China uh, doesn't just have TikTok. China now has a new, quote, smart religion app requiring people to register in order to attend worship services there. Um, I'd like for you to briefly read us in on that and then um, maybe expand that topic because it dovetails into an article that you have posted at WashingtonStand.com. Well, you're right. This is uh, part of China's ongoing 
comprehensive attempt to regulate Christianity throughout the entire country, the world's most populous country. And uh, by the way, of course, we don't think of China as a Christian nation, but uh, it could have more Christians very soon than any other country in the world. So this is a, this is a real affront to religious liberty in its most populous uh, province, which is the Hainan province. If you want to go to church, you can't just walk in. You have to register and have a reservation number. And uh, this app is run by the government. You get on the Smart Religion app, which is uh, developed by the Ethnic and Religious Affairs Commission of Hainan Province. You have to put in your name, your government ID, where you live, what you do for a living, your date of birth, and then they will give you a reservation number. When you show up at the church or wherever it is that you wish to worship, they give you, you have to present this reservation number that they have given you, and they test you for COVID-19 as well, take your temperature. So that is that is a part of what is going on here. Uh, that's the only way that you are allowed to attend church in China. And uh, so uh, this is very obviously a part of uh, the ongoing attempt by the Chinese Communist Party to redefine what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Xi Jinping, uh, since he's been elected to his third term, has been cracking down uh, throughout the Chinese Communist Party, essentially bringing everything into conformity with himself. But one of his particular hobby horses has been what he calls the sinicization of religion. And, and that's a fancy word, but all it means is making religion comport with his view of what it truly means to be Chinese, which means to be communist. So uh, as I noted in my article at uh, WashingtonStand.com, uh, there, there is, uh, and this is part of a very long multi-year effort to redefine churches. In some cases, these are government churches or government registered churches. Uh, there are house churches, which uh, if they are found, often the pastors are arrested, the uh, churches are demolished, uh, but sometimes the uh, official churches are demolished as well if they deviate in any way from the party line. Uh, there have been requirements by government officials in various places in China. Uh, for example, churches have had to take down the Ten Commandments and put up quotations from Xi Jinping about socialism in their place. Christians have had to take down pictures of Jesus from their home and replace them with pictures of government officials. So this is part of the ongoing effort. Uh, there has been uh, an, a, a bill introduced by Senator Tom Cotton and a few others to change the way that uh, we currently trade with China in part because of this, in part because of other human rights abuses, uh, organ harvesting, slave labor, the Uyghur concentration camp, uh, this would not make most favored nation status automatic the way that it is now, where almost everything that we get from China is uh, completely duty free. Instead, that would have to be voted on and human rights abuses would figure into whether they got most favored nation status or not. So uh, that's that's a one way to try and change this. Uh, I, I did the numbers, I did the math, and in nominal dollars, not adjusted for inflation, just the, the raw dollars, the United States has given more than $8 trillion to China since uh, 2000, so since the year that they entered the World Trade Organization. And as we've seen, they use that to regulate Christians, to deny them their religious freedom, and to build up their military to saber rattle against the United States. So uh, this is one effort to try and curtail that. Uh, just yesterday, um, the the heads of all of our intelligence services um, did something that they don't very frequently do, and that is you know, present a unified case in terms of what's going on globally. And China rises to the top of their list of concerns um, across all fronts. Those of you who are, um, yes, texting in this morning saying this feels like a total setup um, for Christians, 
Uh, yes. And we would say, let's remind ourselves that the Chinese uh, have a surveillance state. This is a part of that. Um, and I would assume that every time that you uh, log on to, um, you know, the, the the smart religion app and you register to go to church, your social credit score is um, is influenced. Um, and and those who you worship with and everybody you're connected to outside of church. Um, and so it's a, there's a heavy burden upon Christians in China today, and we want to be praying in solidarity with them and taking the action that we can take as citizens of our own country in terms of the influence that um, we have uh, over them, which gets us to a conversation about international religious liberty. And we're going to continue on that theme, and then we're going to look at what's happening here um, in the United States as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. We're in the middle of a conversation with Ben Johnson. You can find uh, what we're talking about today, at least some of it, at WashingtonStand.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio's social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. So I remember visiting Israel um, a number of years ago, and as we um, made our way to the Temple Mount, one of the instructions, explicit instructions we were given by um, our host was, do not pray. Do not close your eyes and silently pray on the Temple Mount because it is not legal to do so. Um, that is, uh, that's, I, I, yeah. Um, and you say to yourself, okay, well, that's the Temple Mount, um, which is not controlled by Jews, but controlled by Muslims. Um, and you say, okay, or maybe you'd be told the same thing in China. You have to register to go to church. and um, But, you know, that's an atheistic communist regime surely in the uk surely in the uk no one's going to try to control my thoughts nobody's going to tell me i can't silently pray anywhere at any time oh you would be wrong ben what's going on uh in the united kingdom well of course many of your uh, listeners have already seen some of the video of people who've been arrested for silently praying outside of abortion facilities Uh, there was a lovely lady isabel von spruce who's been arrested twice now And uh, when the police come up to her, they say, what are you doing? Are you praying? And she said, I might be silently in my head. And they arrest her for that offense. She's now been arrested twice for the same quote unquote offense of praying. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much going, Ben, I'm pretty much going to go to jail. If this is the new, like, if this is, if this is the new level of criminality related to uh, public expression of faith, silently praying in your head. um, Yeah, I'm. 
I'm pretty much always silently praying in my head. So I'm pretty much going to jail. Right. Uh, That's the, the, if you are in obedience to the scriptures, the apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. So we know that we're supposed to pray everywhere at all times, wherever we are. Uh, there's, there's a prayer that I recite every Sunday where I ask God for the grace to pray everywhere at all times. So that would include within this uh, quote-unquote buffer zone uh, that the UK has erected. Uh, they have legally errected a buffer zone now around uh, so-called uh, abortion clinics okay. Can throughout we just the UK. Pause there? Can we just pause there for sure. just a minute and, um, and just imagine that prayer could be restricted by some sort of signage and the creation of a buffer zone, like what? I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's so ludicrous. I mean, I thought that the UK like is, it's one thing to talk about this in terms of atheistic China. I mean, the United Kingdom, this is the places where uh, the place from which we, we as Americans get the concept of natural rights, the, the rights endowed to us by our creator. Like what is going on? Right. This is our heritage. Uh, when when the American founding took place, when we had the idea that certain rights were unalienable, that was that was an argument between us and England that we both agreed on, that uh, there were certain unalienable rights that uh, had been given by God. And one of them, the very first one, was the ability to freely express our faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the United States was founded. It was part of uh, the the pre um, the pre founding of the United States, going back to uh, England. But uh, this is changing, as we see, not only uh, in the UK, but also in certain places in the United States, where there are school districts in Arizona that want to cut ties with the Arizona Christian University because it has a biblical view uh, when it comes to the teachers that they form. And so they don't want student teachers coming into, uh, into their classroom uh, who might have a worldview that uh, some of the people disagree with. But uh, imagine, like you say, not being able to pray. And by the way, this isn't just a small zone. This is 150 meters, which is uh, more than it's a football field and a half, essentially, where you are not allowed to to pray. Uh, One of the MPs over there, Jacob Rees-Mogg, who is one of the few pro-life MPs, uh, he's a believing Roman Catholic uh, with a very large family, very faithful. Uh, He said this is, to his knowledge, the first time that thought crime has ever been established in the U.K., where you are not able to commune with your God within a certain area, because apparently, according to the law, abortion is more sacrosanct than the ability to communicate. Uh, and, and as you say, this is the sort of thing that you would expect, perhaps, in China, where the doctrine is officially atheistic, uh, it is officially Marxist uh, in its orientation, although not doctrinally Marxist in, in every regard in the way that it uh, lives things out. But the guiding understanding, uh, the underpinnings of the Communist Party are those of Marxism, and they are atheistic. The UK is formally and officially, it has an established church, it is officially a Christian nation, and yet it is against the law to pray in certain areas. Essentially, uh, you have uh, created a a little purgatory in front of uh, these abortion facilities where prayer does not exist, uh, which which the Church of England, of course, uh, rejects. There there is one sort of um, ironic note in this, which is the bill which passed uh, says that uh, what it's prohibiting is, quote, influencing within this zone, which to me is a backhanded way of admitting that prayer influences people. Even silent prayer changes things because intercessory prayer works. And so if that can be outlawed, 
then truly anything uh, can be outlawed. But uh, at least they recognize there is power in prayer, and therefore we ought to offer it up even more for our brethren who are uh, suffering under uh, these restrictions, which have now been legally enacted as of yesterday in the UK. Uh, So, Ben, I'm going to be strategically praying over the um, uh, concentric football field size places where people are not like physically allowed to be in prayer. I'm just going to shoot all my prayers right into that zone just so that you know what I'm up to. Um, and, uh, and what do you think this portends for us here in the United States? Like there's a vigilance that's necessary in order that the United States of America does not follow the lead here of others. Well, what what always happens uh, in, in cases like this, uh, at least in the UK, is that culture influences law. And uh, in the United Kingdom, they have, uh, although they are titularly a Christian nation in their law, they are officially a Christian nation. Uh, nonetheless, they're not a practicing Christian nation or a believing Christian nation. Uh, less than, I think, uh, 1% of the population goes to church every week uh, to the Church of England. Uh, and something like maybe 10, 20% go every week. Uh, so it's a very small percentage there. They are functionally an atheistic country. And when the people have that uh, as their orientation, then the law will follow. For those of us who are in the United States, we talk about how we respect the freedom of faith. We talk about the freedom of religion and our unalienable rights. Our rights are meaningless unless we exercise them. We have the right to exercise them. So it's up to us to go out and do the exercise. So uh, let's let's build up strong spiritual muscles by praying, uh, particularly for these zones uh, that you were talking about outside of abortion facilities where no other prayer is legally permitted. We should flood the zone with prayer for that and for every other um, intercession that comes to our mind. Uh, as believing Christians, we are commanded to pray for the king, for the leaders, uh, for our fellow Christians and believers, and for non-believers to come to the faith. So let's exercise our faith. And if we do that, then we'll recognize when our rights are being encroached by government or by uh, other cultural decrees. Yep. Take a prayer walk today. Walk around um, in a public space and silently pray. Don't don't make a big don't make a big scene. Um, but definitely uh, knock knock on the door. Um, of our Heavenly Father, walk around somewhere physically today and pray. Pray over um, the place, the space, the people, um, the liberty, and then, um, and then, yeah, shoot some targeted prayers into those spaces and places that human beings think they can close to the influence of God. Ben, uh, as always, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to exercise our faith this morning. God bless. Amen. Amen. You guys can uh, find Ben Johnson at WashingtonStand.com. He's got a couple of great pieces posted right now. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. All right, you can't uh, escape the headlines across the country related to um, abortion, abortion access, abortion prescription medication, chemical abortions, on and on and on and on and on. Everyone um, everywhere seems to be making the case that um, women should have this guaranteed liberty. Um, John 
Burchowski, who we talked to on a prior occasion. Um, we started a conversation with him. His book is Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Um, we talked with John on a prior occasion, and in that conversation, um, you know, we acknowledged there's just a whole lot more here to plumb the depths of. And so we're going to have John back to talk about merciful medicine, to talk about um, life-affirming medicine. We're going to ha- help him ha- have him help us navigate some of the questions that we're facing today uh, in the conversations that you and I are both having with people in the culture. Um, and so there's a there's a mental shift that has taken place and therefore a mental shift that now needs to take place because young people in particular have been um, led to believe they have been their their moral compass has been ah uh, i don't know reset um and we want to help people find their way from evil to goodness from death to life from darkness to light and so um we're going to welcome uh John Burchalski back to the program to continue the conversation about life and what it means today to um, live as people who are life-affirming, even even in a culture of death. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So speak life, speak life to the dead in darkest night. Speak life, speak life. Dr. John Burkachowski is back. The book is Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. You can connect with John um, online and um, and on his social media. Uh, his website is drjohnburchowski.com. John, welcome back. Carmen, it's wonderful to be with you this morning. Yeah, we um, we loved our first conversation with you and so wanted to have you back as an opportunity to continue the conversation. Um. Maybe we'll just start here. From your perspective as a doctor, what is personhood and when does a person start being a person? Well, um, I can tell you that from a scientific point of view, um, we always care for two patients and experiencing how mothers um, interact not only biologically and chemically through proteins with their very early, you know, few cell embryos. Um, I, we take care of two patients from fertilization uh, until people die in medicine. And that, and because of the two patients, um, this is uh, how uh, we practically implement uh, in the beginning was the code and the code was in life and the code was life. That's the human genome. These, uh, this egg and sperm come together and biologically and embryologically and cell biologically, it's a human life. Now, when words become fungible and science becomes Oh, when it develops consciousness 
or whenever I say it does, or whenever the mother desires it, you begin to see how words become muddled and everybody goes to personhood in arguments because they can choose different definitions. Mm. I am a scientist and I'm also um, a son of Abba. And um, he, he, when he created the world, created science, faith, and reason. And so when you stay close to science, we have won this argument in the abortion world about when life begins. Well, now they're going to switch it to personhood quickly because that is more fungible. And constantly, um, we must return back to the science, but also return back to the way of medicine. Um, we're not a commodity. We're a person, we're welcomed, we're not wanted. And so sticking close to the science, a life, a human life, which I would be consider a patient, then a person, because, you know, everybody has their own definitions. But for us scientists, it's at that moment of fertilization when the code has created a unique human individual life. So talk with us then, um, John, I know you've, you know, you've thought deeply about all these things. So I know that I can kind of like spring anything on you and it's okay. Cause these are the conversations, right? That, yes, Carmen. that we're having like out here in the world. So let's talk about, Amen. let's talk about Christians and in vitro fertilization. Let's talk about this okay. process of um, creating a bunch of embryos, not all of which are going to be, um, brought into an environment where they will grow in the natural process as God designed it. Can you just right. help us wander into this conversation? Um, because couples that I know that are um, considering in vitro fertilization as a way to, you know, create the family that they want in the time that they want, um, yes. in maybe yes. not the manner that they want, but the, but you know, the, the natural way isn't working for whatever reason. Um, oh, absolutely. Sure. They often, often like the pastor's not brought into the conversation. It's exclusively a conversation that happens with whoever's going to help them pay for it and the doctor that's going to help them make it happen. Oh, oh Carmen, you. Um, I know I've gone from preaching to meddling. No, I just. No, no. <laughs> and that's something that um, I deeply appreciate because it is it's only when two or three are gathered and the meddling begins when you stand in the love of Jesus Christ, two or three are gathered, he's present. And these are the conversations that we must have now because for 50 years, we've kind of lived in this world of abortion is good medicine and that you can waste human life to achieve human life with all due respect. Now, I started out my career the first two years of my residency working at the Eastern Virginia School of Medicine, the home of the Jones Institute, the home of the first in vitro baby in this country. The docs, Joneses, Miss, uh, Dr. and Mrs., uh, Dr. and Dr. Howard and Georgiana Jones, two of the most wonderful minds and hearts. They came from Hopkins to Eastern Virginia 
and we help uh, participate as residents. Now, I am so excited by how science can help support health and human life. And I, I, there is no doubt that technology can be used for good or for evil. But while I was there, we began to discard not less than perfect embryos. That was the first question. And so we believe that life began at implantation um, seven days after fertilization because we had bought the change in diagnosis or the change in definition through the American College of OBGYN. Oh, life doesn't begin at, con at fertilization or conception. It, belong it, it, it happens at implantation. Well, now we know it only happens when a patient says it does. And so over time, listening to my patients, especially since my brothers and sisters in vitro doctors now are had to make many, many embryos and then freeze some in order to get some to stack the odds in our favor. And we always ask the question in our office, uh, Jen, Johnny, when you before you go to the in vitro, the reproductive endocrinology doctors, you must ask yourself one question. Are the embryos they make your children or are they your property? Do you love them or do you own them? Because I have seen so many mothers who have the one child from in vitro, but they're so concerned about those they've left behind. Now, once again, this idea of personhood and child and once again, the, the, the maternal heart deep down inside knows that what they've left behind is something more than a almost person. There is a sadness and there's a certain reality that hits, usually too late in the process. I, I keep talking how medicine treats disease, not desires. We hate mm. disease but we love the patient. Disease is endometriosis. Disease is blocked tubes. Disease is um, uh, ovarian cysts. Diseases is pathology. Well, we have assumed that infertility is a, is, is a disease rather than a desire. And so as we gently, but actually scientifically and accurately talk to folks, we will help you treat the diseases leading to the infertility. But when you start blending, you start, hate the disease, love the patient. You never ever hurt the patient in order to, or the patient with the disease in order to treat the disease. What I mean by that is if a child is in the womb, has an incredibly challenging, life-threatening diagnosis, you don't end that life in order to end the disease in that life. And all for the last 50 years, we now have genetic tests that we can do pre-implantation genetic diagnosis 
and we just eliminate those that are not fit for life and we become a little we, we become more callous it's a real challenge carmen but this is how i've begun to think through this and i just want to give my patients the best information to make the most informed the most informed decision they are wonderful people they are you know my patients are the best in the world because hmm. they're fellow human beings on the journey <laughs> they can discern they can think they can pray and i don't walk in their shoes but i have to a point and it's very critical that you decide ahead of time before you go to ivf are the embryos they make children or property and are they loved or are they owned because back in the day my professor dr howard jones coined the term pre-embryo it's worth more than a uh, an appendix but it's not worth as much as a child and when you start blurring when you decide when that life begins or when that person enters the world i can just tell you after you know say 40 years or 30 years of great ivf many good doctors now are heading towards single embryo transfer because they don't want to produce more than they need and also there's some wonderful doctors heading into the world of embryo adoption and so I think doctors and patients are waking up that even though IVF has brought many wonderful children into the world and satisfied families desires the question is what was the price that we paid for that and that's a discussion that continues not just politically i'm talking about heart to heart corod core right there in the right there in our exam rooms like like you're doing on this program you provocateur <laughs> oh. so and the i want to real no the the pain is real and i um i have friends and family members for whom this is you know the, i this is a very real conversation i'm often asked often frequently asked to pray right in advance of someone's in vitro um process at some you know some point along the process or along the way and i will tell you i'm just as conflicted i am just as conflicted in those moments as i am when someone asks me to pray you know for a donor organ because i know in praying for your child or your spouse or your loved one to receive a donor organ i am i you know there is another family that is going to lose a family member of similar right. size and age right. in order that your family member gets the organ Amen. that you so desperately Amen. are asking me to pray for it's yes. it's complicated it there are always no, two patients there there are right. always right. two patients all right we're going to um right. continue our conversation with Dr. John Burchowski in just a moment um you're listening to Mornings with Carmen I'm Carmen LeBurge this is Faith Radio thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at myfaithradio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit myfaithradio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Taste it. Taste it. Taste it. Taste it.
We're continuing our conversation with Dr. John Burchowski. You can find him online and connect with all of his social media at drjohnburchowski.com. I will put all the links in the show notes today, which you can get at myfaithradio.com or wherever you download the podcast. His book is Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. Um, and we talked with John um, about about the book and... Um, his own testimony in a prior conversation. I'll put the link to that uh, conversation in the notes today as well. But John, maybe give you an opportunity here for folks who didn't hear our conversation the first time around and are not familiar with your story. Um, Every time you refer to two patients, there's a reason for that. And there's a one pound person um, who's a part of that uh, testimony. So, yeah, yes, Carmen. Um, so I was in the second year of my residency. I was working at a, at a wonderful uh, evangelical uh, pregnancy center at night. And uh, I was doing all the perform. I was performing all the aspects of what an OBGYN resident does to learn the art and science in that specialty of medicine. And there I was one night saving um, a early pregnancy, a child that was trying to stay healthy inside its mom. And the mom wanted that child. So I was doing everything medically possible to stop that labor from progressing. In the other room, at the same gestational age, the same disease process occurring, the mom did not want that, that her pregnancy, and I ab- just aborted that pregnancy. And I ended up with a live child born intact after an abortion. And my heart was so hardened at this point that I thought I was going to mercifully stop hurting the mom. And so I, rather than thinking about suffocating the child to prevent it from squeaking, crying, making noise. I put it on a scale and it was five grams over the cutoff of 500 grams, 1.1 pounds. And I had to call the neonatology team in to resuscitate my failed abortion. And they came in and this incredibly wonderful neonatologist, faith-filled, said, Johnny, stop treating my patients as a tumor. And uh, you're better than this. Have coffee with me in the morning. (laughs) Mm. And um, this doctor, Dr. Debbie Plum, basically talked to me how I did not monitor her patient. I didn't care about her patient. I turned my back on her patient. And after I did all that, then I called her in to bring life back to this patient or to help this child navigate prematurity. And it struck me as profound. And she said, you care for two patients, mom in maternal medicine and the fetus in fetal medicine. 
we try to divide that all the time to distance us before we kill something. We start calling it names. We start changing the definitions as we have throughout history. This is nothing new. And she challenged me. And then she challenged me to engage the heart of Christ. And when my mother suggested the same thing a few days later, I touched the heart of mercy through their intercession. Imagine two women, Dr. Debbie Plum, my mom, Veronica, lowering me through the freaking roof. (laughs) Mm. And there I was, scales coming off in front of the merciful heart of our Lord and Savior. And that's where two patients comes from. Two patients is about my change of heart in medicine, but also in my, it's, it's Jesus Christ touching me with his mercy, that rent, lacerated heart that occurred on that Friday on that hill outside of Jerusalem uh, when he was crucified. Uh, and that same heart that beats today alive um, in our lives. Mm. John, so it's a book um, of hope. It is. No, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful book of hope. Thank you so much um, for this conversation. Thank you for your testimony and your ministry. I think I am going to let your testimony be our shared celebration of International uh, Women's Day yesterday. So just we'll just celebrate. Dr. Debbie Plum will celebrate your mom, Veronica. We'll celebrate um, women um, who have done done difficult things to shepherd our hearts and love us well, um, and in some cases save our lives. Oh, yes, so yes, may, uh, may the Lord send um, a change of heart to many across, uh, across the land today, and may he use us and the words that we speak and the ways in which we speak them um, to fan the flame of, um, of what the Spirit is doing in the hearts and minds uh, of people. John, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so very much. God bless you. What, what a delight. Likewise. Um, John Burchowski, you can connect with him online, drjohnburchowski.com. The book is Two Patients, My Conversion from Abortion to Life-Affirming Medicine. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, let's um, circle back around to where we started our conversation, and that is in Psalm 139. Um, It is a probing psalm, and it is um, relevant to the conversation that we just had about life. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's verse 13. I am fearfully and wonderfully made, um, and I know that full well. And then today's verses for the day. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We got another. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.